So I'm gonna ask you to indulge me in a quick survey here. And it's kind of fun if you look around to see who's, who's raising their hand. Raise your hand if you have ever visited Israel. Hold your hand way up. Look around, wow, that's very impressive. A lot of people. Put your hand down. This is what I'm curious about. Raise your hand if you visited Israel, but you've never been to the Kotel, the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. You've just been to Israel. Look at that. Look at that. Final survey question. How many of you have some kind of distinct memory from the first time that you visited the Western Wall? Anybody just have a memory of your own, how that was for you? Thank you for your time. You get a piece of cheese when you walk out the door. Everyone who comes to Israel goes to the wall. I wrote those words down before I took the survey. There is no single place on earth more sacred, more known as the gathering place for Jews than the remnant of a retaining wall that once surrounded the second temple in Jerusalem in ancient times. Like some of you, I have been to the Kotel numerous times, too many to count. Once, I happened to be in Jerusalem on Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of the Jewish month of Av, commemorates the destruction of both the first and second temples in Jerusalem. It's a very somber occasion where we all sit on the ground and sing from lamentations called Echa in Hebrew. It is our national Jewish day of mourning for a long history of destruction of Jews and Jewish property. I tell you all of this because on that warm, beautiful summer evening so many years ago, I decided to walk over to the Kotel and listen to some of that sad singing. For those of you who have not yet been there, you should know that before you walk up to the wall itself, there is a large open plaza. I walked on to the middle of the plaza, tour buses galore, because remember this was the middle of summer, Tour buses everywhere were dropping off hundreds of teenagers from America and other countries who were on summer trips so that they too could experience Tisha B'Av at the wall. Many groups of very young Israeli soldiers were also at the plaza. Now here's what happens when you deposit enormous groups of teenagers and young people in a single location, they see people that they know, maybe even people they know very well but had no idea that they were also in Israel at the same time. They run happy screaming up to their friend and fling their arms around them. So I watched while all around me on this saddest day in the Jewish calendar, hundreds of teens and young Israeli soldiers flinging themselves on one another in the, the really best way of flinging yourself, screaming with delight, laughing and chatting as if they were at the best party of the year. For a few minutes, the scene caused confusion in my mind and 
But then I thought, why not? If we are commemorating so many historical attempts to wipe us out as a people, why not have this moment on the holiest, most sacred time of the planet for Jews everywhere to celebrate Jewish friends and relationships? I asked you to remember your feeling when you first visited the wall and to hold on to that. I think that the majority of Jews, for the majority of Jews, it is just such an incredible moment when you make your way toward the Kotel, when you walk right up to those cool, massive stones, when you see everyone's written prayers stuck in the wall's nooks and crannies, when you listen to the heartfelt prayers all around you. That's exactly what I expected and wanted to feel when I first saw the Kotel at age 21. But nobody had told me that there was a machitza, a physical divider keeping men and women separate. And not only that, but even the word machitza itself, which comes from chatsi, as in half and half, is an equally divided down the middle. But it was clear from the plaza that the men's section was substantially larger than the women's section. I could not help but feel disappointment in that, even as it was holy and spectacular to be at the hotel. I had seen pictures of the Kotel from years before the Mechitza was installed with men and women together at the wall, and that's what I thought I was going to find. So the wall is divided. It's overseen by a very strict Orthodox rabbi who runs the National Heritage Site like an ultra-Orthodox synagogue. A group of Israeli and Anglo women called Women of the Wall formed in December 1988 to fight for the right of women to conduct prayer services and read from the Torah on the women's side of the wall. That fact has always struck me about this group. They never, they never recommended taking down the mechitza or interfering with the large men's section their simple plea was that there are different expressions of Jewish prayer, and all women, Orthodox, Reform, Conservative Jews, should be able to pray in their own style on the women's side of the wall. These women developed a monthly practice of coming to the women's side of the wall, some with tefillin, some with talises, and a desire to read Torah on Rosh Chodesh, the first day of every Jewish month. This group of women had been screamed at, spit upon, physically assaulted, and jailed for participating. But interestingly, for the last two years, an Israeli government-appointed group has met to consider this problem and possible resolutions. Last week, the group concluded its work and issued a jointly agreed upon plan to try and resolve this issue. The plan 
is called the Mendelblit Plan because the Prime Minister of Israel appointed a commission that included government secretary Avichai Mendelblit, among others. There were also representatives from the various denominations of Judaism, including Rabbi Rick Jacobs, leader of our reform movement, and Nott Hoffman, leader of the Israel Religious Action Center, the leader of the conservative movement, as well as numerous Israeli government officials. The plan that was agreed upon on all of our behalf has pros and cons, winners, and losers. It will take years to fund and implement. Basically, the entrance to the plaza will be expanded so that when you walk onto the plaza, you will see three distinct options. The men's section, the women's section, and further down along the wall, an expansive egalitarian section. Tremendous sums of money have been committed by the Israeli government to be spent to reconfigure everything. And when it is done, families will be able to come to that section of the wall together. Bar and bat mitzvahs can take place where everyone participates and individuals can pray there in any style they choose. Perhaps the most clever part of the plan for liberal Jews is that women of the wall, and this is written into the plan, will not stop meeting in the women's section until the project is complete. And once it is complete, the agreement is that women who want an egalitarian service will stop trying to have them on the women's side of the wall and will move over to the new section. So why is this a win for Orthodox Jews? The truth is that women's attempts at sharing the existing Kotel space have upset ultra-Orthodox Jews. The Orthodox rabbi of the wall has determined what is kosher and what is not, and he can hardly wait for women to go to the egalitarian section and never bother him again. This is a win for the Orthodox because to the chagrin of many progressive Jews, the traditional Kotel as it looks right now, as it is divided right now with the 1,200 square meters for the men's section and the 600 square meters for the women's section will remain just as it is now. As far as many ultra-Orthodox leaders are concerned, the egalitarian crowd will disappear out of sight, out of mind. But then why is this a win for Reform, Conservative, and other progressive Judaisms? Well, for starters, it is the Israeli government that mandated the change. The Israeli government, for this first time in the history of the state, commands that an egalitarian segment will be provided at Israeli taxpayer expense. That alone is historic and hints that eventually other recognitions could come our way. Also, this battle has been going on for 28 years. This plan has the potential to create a truly meaningful, not hidden space along the same retaining wall. As Anat Hoffman said to me this last week, what will make it sacred? People coming and praying there in that space.
That will make it sacred. Who is upset? The original members of Women of the Wall wanted Orthodox women to pray with tefillin and to read Torah at the women's section, not any place else. They are bitterly disappointed with this plan. This compromise did not resolve the issue for them. Last Shabbat, Rabbi Bauer spoke to us about the ongoing issue of anti-Semitism cloaked as anti-Zionism. There exists a virulent strain of anti-Israel invective that should cause tremendous concern for us all. Our work here in the diaspora is complicated. We need to simultaneously proclaim loudly Israel's right to exist among the nations. We need to call out blatant double standards that attack only Israel while turning a blind eye to egregious behaviors of other countries. At the same time, Israel can and must be a place that recognizes the many different ways to express one's Judaism. Liberal Jews should always feel at home in Israel, whether they are Israeli or live elsewhere. Let us all be part of the continued building of a strong, vibrant, diverse, healthy Israel. Amen.